Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. That's your, that is your fucking, that's what wakes you up in the morning? It's okay. not an alarm. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. It gets louder. It's a progressive this thing. Is, this now, is just going to give you inception. This is not going to wake you up. You, this is going to change the course of your dream so that you're dreaming in some sort of like concrete, you know, uh, shit city. And then all of a sudden it turns, you, you're just, you're, you end up in like Morocco. Yeah, agreed. You need to get like a siren kind of alarm right. going on. So, so that actually does do that some mornings, Jer. Uh, but most mornings it's fine. But do you want to know what I wake up last to? Last night I put my phone. This is what I wake up to. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, ah, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm being mocked by somebody. It's time to it's time to wake up <laughs> yeah. and own the day. Yeah. So Effective. so when we have when I have like a hard a hard wake up in the morning and I can't snooze, I usually will put my phone on the other side of the room so that I have to get up and go get it to turn it off. And uh, I forgot that I had that setting on my phone, so I just it just did not wake me up at all. Of this course, morning. it didn't wake you up, dude. It wakes me up most that mornings. Li- that li- that is like the that is the By most mornings. I mean, every morning except for today. That is the sound <clears throat> version of someone just lightly massaging the bottom of your feet while I know. somebody else. That's why is I like stroking it. your temple. That's why I like it. And somebody else is just blowing, <laughs> blowing into your. Into your, your, the side of your neck. This is the. Uh, this is usually what I wake up to. Dogs barking at you. Are you trying to tell us that you just got a dog? No, that's just my alarm. Your Are alarm you actually is, for real? Your alarm is dogs barking. That's a really. I feel low like that'll bark. also just fuck your dreams up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Molly, what do you wake up to? I wake up to dogs barking as well, but it's just my dog actually barking because <laughs> yeah. he needs to be. That's a, great, that's a great alarm. Yeah, I don't. I don't own a dog yet, so that's well, kind of sad. The reason we're talking about all this uh, bullshit is because uh, we were supposed to record at a certain time today, which we are. We're, we're kind of on time, but we had a whole like meeting plan beforehand, and Taylor slept through. All of it. Yeah, I miss it. And then I woke up with that feeling like Brian came into my apartment and was like, yo, what the fuck? And I woke up at that moment. And you know when you wake up really suddenly, I was very, very flustered and like and like heavy morning fog and was like, oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> it was oh, like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck. <laughs> and then I got my shit on. I had to go take Loki out and I got in the car and I was like, how am I going to sit and talk? Well, you're sitting and talking now. I know. And today, our guest is Molly, and we're going to talk about b- 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 breast cancer. Did that wake you up a little? The fog is lifted. Okay, great. Yeah. Did you get some coffee at least? No, I no, didn't. didn't. No, it's a major. It's a major <laughs> issue. But um, you know what? 
I think that this will lift me right up. I think the worst part was that uh, when uh, when we walked in here, Jerry was like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, Tay. I I put the coffee on. The coffee's running, and there's just no coffee <laughs> there, machine here. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't have. Coffee I was still yet. in a bit of a morning fog at that point, and I know that we don't have a coffee machine in here, but I still went, oh. And then, and then, and then, my second thought was, "You bought a coffee machine." <laughs> and then your third thought was, "No, you're fuck. an asshole." <laughs> uh, Molly, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, this so this is uh, we actually are going to talk about breast cancer, uh, but you're super young. Yeah, I am super young, and I feel like you might have gotten this before. Uh, aren't you a little young for breast cancer? So. Yes, um, I am. Absolutely. I was 29 when I was diagnosed. I'm 30 now. Um, so like I'm, I'm a decade, uh, younger than women start to get mammograms. Like it's not even something that women my age are screened for. Oh, really? It is a lot more common than people realize. I've learned like having gone through this experience. Mm -hmm. I, I, I said that in like a, in a, in a cheeky manner Yeah. because we, we already know this. Yes. I'm sure that someone heard that and they were like, you fucking asshole. Why would you say it like that? Mm -hmm. Um, we know that people. Cancer doesn't really discriminate. Didn't we? Mm-hmm. Wasn't age. wasn't the episode that we did on breast cancer? Um, you sat down. You, well, you sat down and talked to a woman named, named Molly. Molly in uh, yeah. Hawaii, right? In Maui. Yeah, yeah. Molly from Maui. So is, is there a connection there? Statistically, like if your name is Molly, are you more likely <laughs> to yeah. develop breast cancer? I mean, the stats don't lie. Right, <laughs> right. So it's your two parents' of, fault. Two is, two. is that what we're saying then? It's because your parents named you Molly. That's. That's what I'm hearing. Heard yeah. here, folks. We are giving you the we're giving you the goods. Only only the, the groundbreaking the, research. That's right. That's right. Um, so, so, but yeah, cancer doesn't discriminate. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, for the most part, you can be any age and and get cancer. Absolutely. Although statistically, it's it's a little bit more rare for your age. Yeah. Group. So for my age group, specifically with breast cancer, like that is definitely. Um, known to probably the over 40 crowd. Mm. Um, But it does happen for younger women. And it's also, it's a different disease. It really is. Like for young women, like I said, we don't get screened. We don't get regular mammograms. So one, we're not looking for it. Um, Mm. And two, it tends to be much more aggressive. So if you get it when you're younger, yeah, it tends to be a more aggressive form of the disease. Why is that? Do we know or do you know? I don't know. Interesting. No. Is, so, that so, is that something? Is that is that <laughs> part of like what the docs tell you when when like if you are a younger case of breast cancer? Are they going well? These these are these are sort of the things that we see in younger cases of breast cancer. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm curious. You you mentioned that like you're <laughs> ten years younger than when people usually start getting mammograms. Um, then h- how did you detect that you had bre- breast cancer? Like, let's go kind of, I guess, from the start of your experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what was it that was a sign for you? Um, so my experience is a little bit unique. Um, I found the lump myself, uh, but the only reason that I did find it is because it hurt. So out, like seemingly out of nowhere one day I had this shooting pain um, in my left breast um, and I, I initially thought like maybe my bra was too tight. Like I kind of ran up to my room to take my bra off, um, and expected to get that kind of like sense of relief. Um, 
and that didn't happen. And I kind of instinctively put my hand where the pain was and it like there it was. Like it was just You just felt a lump. It was oh. a lump, like clear as day. Um, out of Is nowhere. Is it one of those things that you go, that you touch That's and you crazy. go, how did I not absolutely. feel that before? Yeah, like, absolutely. I- and so I wasn't, you know, we're women... I don't know what the age is, but I should have been doing regular self-exams, um, and I wasn't, and I think probably most women my age aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, is that do you, So I know that mammograms aren't, don't come till later, but do they encourage um, self-examination I think to happen like so. Um, I remember probably when I was a teenager, like, going to the doctor to get birth control for yeah. the first time and my doctor did a breast exam and said, you know, this is something that you should do to yourself regularly and I like kind of in one ear out the other never thought about it again. Yeah. Um, but there it was and so I've thought a lot of, since then about like, you know, had I been checking, would I have found it earlier um, and, you know, could I have caught it at an earlier stage and maybe saved myself from going through some treatment and honestly, I don't think that was the case for me. Like I, I think it was kind of hiding and like rolled up against a nerve mm. and that's why I had the right. pain. Which is why I felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Isn't that such a jarring thing? Like I, I, I don't know about you guys. Like, um, do you guys like inspect, do you inspect your bodies much? Yeah. Like I do. Well, there's a fair bit of inspection I, going on. I worked a little bit, um, three or four <laughs> years ago with, uh, with, uh, uh, an organization called Ballsy, yeah, which is right. a, like, te- testicular <laughs> cancer. And um, one of the campaigns that we were working on like four years ago was uh, like a promoting men to self-inspect. In- yeah. Um, so like I think that I I kind of, that, that probably was a bit of a, an impetus for me to like do some self-exams on myself. But it's, it's uh, I think it's something that's really important. Yeah, I see. I find I examine myself in, in this like, Almost like primitive. Were you talking specifically way? about like a- anything? Like I testicles, mean, testicles like, for sure. But like, okay. but also just kind of like anywhere else. Like I feel like I, like if I'm watching a movie or something, <laughs> it's gonna sound weird. If I'm watching a movie yeah, and whether I'm by myself or not, I'll just like just be fondling <laughs> my balls, but not like f- like not excitedly fondling. It's it's literally just like robotically fondling, and then I'll I'll start doing that with like my. My like throat. Just take your, your the hand that was all over your balls. You just put it up on your throat <laughs> and then rub your throat. The inside then, of my mouth. <laughs> he starts. Uh, he's like, Gross. I wonder if I have any cavities. But I, but I do like. I, I'll like. I'll, I'll sit. I'll like sit on my hands. Like I just. I'm constantly like fidgeting. palpating my body. I am fidgeting a lot. Yeah, but I constantly am like kind of examining. But I've also. I, f- I find that most times we've talked to someone when they find something going on in their body, it's because there was some sort of. There was some sort of trigger, which for yeah. years there was this pain that this like searing pain mm-hmm. that kind of came out of nowhere. For Brandon, it was like you know he dropped that weight on his thigh and and his thigh started to hurt. I mm-hmm. think we all kind of have those things. Like I mean, how many times have you had a fucking pimple that's been that like you touch and you go, how the fuck? Where did that come from? To that to yeah. get like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. without yeah. me noticing. Like, yeah, like, absolutely. But it's like you look at. I mean, that happens to me on my back all the time. But it's like I fucking look at my back every day. How did you get there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? It is interesting. I do want to. I want to throw this. So I was asking, like, how often should you examine your breasts? I think this is just important to throw it there for anybody who's listening right now, specifically anyone who, who has breasts, 
Um, according to WebMD, which is pretty legit, uh, legit, you should have a clinical breast exam every one to three years starting at age 20 and every year starting at age 40. Mm. Oh. oh, right. But I, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not a woman, so I don't get, I don't really, I haven't really digested that information like fully. But when you said that you don't start until you're 40, I was like, yeah, that sounds like what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Like that's the info for that I- For mammograms? Yeah, yeah. For mammograms, for yep. mammograms, right. When I hear the word mammogram, I always think of like animal crackers because it just mm-hmm. makes me think mammal, yeah. mammal gram. Yeah, like I just think. I think of that's. Mammals, I think that's I the etymology. I think that's the etymology of yeah. it. Yeah, and then I just. Think, Are you serious right now? And then I think, man, how good are animal crackers? <laughs> right. Brian's been meaning to get a mammogram for years, but he just keeps going to the grocery store and buying <laughs> animal crackers instead. <laughs> I'm here for some mammograms. They're like aisle four, I think. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think he knows I what think he's it's in, talking about? Those are in the cookie aisle. Yeah. I, Thing. So you <laughs> get this searing pain, and the best you, part, you, the uh, best part is that you're always going to think a mammogram now. <laughs> no, no, that's not the best part. That's the worst part. Um, do you do you do you go straight to the doctor, or like what's your? Yeah. So yeah. So I'm standing in my bedroom. I'm home alone. I'm topless at this point. I'm holding my boob in <laughs> one hand, and like. Got my phone out, hitting Google <laughs> right. on, with my other hand. Siri, Siri. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So I'm googling like painful lump in breast, and breast cancer is obviously the first thing that goes through my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but the internet was actually surprisingly good at convincing me that one, breast cancer didn't hurt, and two, that mm. I was statistically speaking too young to get it. Mm. Um, so that kind of like I didn't really think too much about cancer after that point. So I'm like, okay, well, what else could this be? Do you think um, that was a good thing? Like, do you, like overall, know. do you think it was good that you didn't, you know, like like if we inverse that and the internet was like, you're fucked, you're fucked, cancer, yeah. cancer, cancer. Do you think, the, you know, from that moment until the actual diagnosis might have been worse? Maybe a little bit. It was pretty quick. Like the process, so mm-hmm. it might have saved me, like you know, a, a day. Week. Did you yeah. did you go to the doctor right away? Yeah, so I actually went to emerge because I was <laughs> like, if it's not cancer, like if it's probably not cancer, like I don't know if I, I maybe thought it was like a cyst that was going to explode. Like it just it mm-hmm. it came on with such a vengeance that mm-hmm. I was like, if this gets worse, like I'm going to pass out. So. Um, my fiance like pulled into the driveway, and I was like, feel this. I think I need to go to the doctor. It was like a Thursday night. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get into my doctor for like a week. And I just was like, I I need to have this addressed right now. So we went to Emerge. um, And you know when you go to Emerge and you can kind of tell like how fucked you are based on who you're sitting with? Like they put me with like the sprained ankles and like, mm. so I was like, okay, so this is probably not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right beside you, a dude sits down with a machete sticking out of his skull and you're like, uh, wait, am, am I, I okay? In, am I in that group <laughs> yeah. or am I in this group? Yeah. He just sits down and goes, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> Calmly sits with a drop of blood. He's like, yeah, this looks way worse <laughs> than it actually is. <clears throat> um, where was your, uh, where was the lump? Uh, it was on my left breast, like on the lower outer 
Like it's Quadrant. more like it's more like arm pity sort of like is it is it more in that direction? Yeah. Because yep. I've heard like Kyla said this to me the other day. She was like, um, she said something about like mammograms and like you know if you're if when you're when you're like sexually active you're not like it's you, you are kind of. You're not really performing mammograms like they're supposed to be done, but like <laughs> you're still like. Are you saying? Well, hold on, hold on. Are you still saying, touching? You're still you, touching are you, are you saying you're the one who's doing the examination? Is that what you're like getting? No, at? she was making like a, she she said something about that. Like she made some comment, and then she was and then she said to me, "This is this is like this is like fucking a week ago," and she goes, "Yeah, but actually, usually I think that it happens more like on the inside and more like the armpit, where like you would mm. where like you would not really be." Like touching, if you were like being sexual, you know. You this know is saying? cool. Yeah. Look at this. This is a breast self-exam um, patterns. So it's three different images of one breast, and one one. So it's like like three fingers. One pattern's going down, stroking down from like top of the breast down, and then the next finger up from the bottom of the breast up uh, in the middle, and then to the other side down again. And then there's one <clears throat> where it's like. It's like a star of all the fingers pushing in towards the nipple, like all meeting at the center. And then the other one is like circular motions around. Rotational. Yeah. This kind of seems like, to me, it would be like mowing the lawn, you know? Like you just want to, <laughs> you you just want to make sure you cover the, make yeah. sure you get every, you don't want to leave any patches that are, right, un, but if, it's you a know, good analogy. You know? If you, if you go around and you look and you watch like several soccer games around the world, you notice that the pitch is, is mowed in different ways and different pitches. Yeah. So, because, okay. because there's, you know, there's different methods and different ways to, yeah. Yeah. So it's exactly like that. Yeah. It's for real. Yeah. So you're at the ER <laughs> sitting next to the man with the machete on his head. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself like, okay, this this isn't I was I was in a lot of pain at that point, but realizing or starting to convince myself that it was probably not as big of a deal. Right. Um and then probably sat there for a couple of hours, got in to see a doctor. Um she had a good feel, and she's like, hmm, and, uh, and she looks at me and goes, well, it's not normal. Mm. And she's like, it's probably nothing, but you're 29. You shouldn't have to deal with this. I'm going to make a call and see if I can get you in for imaging, like, ASAP. Um, and so she goes away. She comes back. She's like, okay, just talk to the breast clinic, like, at the IWK. Um they're going to call you tomorrow, and they're going to squeeze you in for a mammogram at the IWK. Yeah, so the <clears throat> like, there's like a women's building there. Oh, yeah, okay, it's okay. like the breast clinic in sure, Halifax. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I went home, tried to <laughs> ignore the pain, um, went for my first ever mammogram at the age of 29 the following day, and. That shit hurts anyway, oh, but yeah. when you have a tumor sticking out of your side <sighs> yeah, and yeah, like yeah, that yeah. machine is squeezing you, okay, like so what pancake? happens in a mammogram? Like, do they? Is it the machine? <laughs> is it like a hydraulic piston Dude, yeah, thing it, that just yeah. like crushes yeah. your shaped like a giraffe, yeah. or is it more <laughs> so? Like a lion? I'll I'll paint you a picture. Um, like you know when you go to the dentist and you get X-rays done, and you have to like go right up to that thing and bite down, and the thing mm. goes around you. So you kind of like. You walk up to this machine, like place your boob on a a surface and then it like you get a couple pictures where it comes from like top to bottom and squeezes you. And it's like it's just like it's so forceful that like you think, oh, my God, I can't possibly take this for another second. And then it releases and then it goes 
like Sideways. side to side. So it's it's just awful. And so I'm sitting there, like I'm in <clears throat> so much pain. I'm with this like woman who's like an x-ray technician, like tits out. Like I'm just like, so how did you get into this line of work? And like she, and I, she's trying to make you comfortable. So yeah. like her tits are out. She's like, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. You know, like she it's, got it was a tits out party. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Um, so it's like it was just so uncomfortable. Like it it's, it's fucking 2019 now. Like, yeah. and, and this was 2017. Like, yeah. I mean, it is, it is like, we're in the future. We live in the future. Yeah. Uh, you know, Black Mirror is here. Why are we squishing tits still? Why, like, why can't we just. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, where, used, it used to be somebody doing it with their hands. I know, dude, but where's the like, why do we got to squish it? Yeah. Like, if there we, must be a reason for <laughs> it. No, <laughs> there isn't. If, we can, if you can go in for a, a what's it called? A CT scan? Uh, or a, or no, an MRI. Come on, they well, can like oh, layer, layer, layer your brain, right? And you but, just sit there, and there's this giant thing. But that's the next. Yeah. I'm assuming that's the next. That's a step further. Yeah, so it is. They're not. Um, gonna, they're not going to issue an MRI or a, no, or but, a CT scan. No, 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 before no. doing that, right? But what I'm saying is, why don't we have that sort of version of of the of the the mammogram, like? Just a, some sort of like X-ray, like a GoPro. Why do we have to squish it? Why do we have to take the breast because and just I don't know if I'm comfortable. I don't know if I'm comfortable, like <laughs> trying to shout down the, the, the I, medical know. technology industry. Right I now. am comfortable with it. Let's start a revolution right here. This is it. <laughs> somebody, somebody uh, posted a meme yesterday, and it was like. <laughs> we live in a world where I'm confusing my robot assistants like Siri and Alexa. I saw that. <laughs> it is fucking true. Well, I mean, I'm sure, dude. I'm looking it up right now. Why? Why we? Why that? One. It replaces the hands, and they obviously do a better job if it's done with a machine. I mean, like all things. I think because so one of the reasons be. for compressing the breast is to hold it away from the chest wall. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Another reason is that. Uh, the thinner you can make anything you are x-raying, the lower the dose that you'll need to use. So by thinning the breast, we can use a lower x-ray dose. Okay, that's also probably a good thing. So a In addition, just as any picture you take, if the breast moves during the study, then blur- blurring will make it impossible to see small details. So the compression holds the breast still. Man, I don't know. There's a lot of good reasons there, there, Jeff. There yeah. are. Yeah, I guess But so. you know what? I don't agree with it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we need a new machine. I just feel like it, it's like, you know, <clears throat> you're taking photos. Why does it have to be so painful? Yeah, just but if horrible. you were, but if, like, imagine if we had a mammogram machine like that for our balls. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's, that why, would, that's why we are that's, so That's why you're so privileged concerned. to be if fucking that's male. that's how... Balls were examined. That would be, there would be would new science you, immediately. You're, you're goddamn right. There yeah. would be. You're goddamn right. There would be. It's yeah. funny that machine would last for like one day, and it was yeah. like back in the medieval days. Getting no way. Getting mad about the mammogram process is like, why do you have to stick a, a bone, a needle in a bone to get bone marrow? Why can't you just teleport it out of there? It's like, yeah, well, we have, well, that's it's like 2019. The way, that's yeah. the way you got to do it. I mean, if I, if I can make my home smart, I just feel like we can. <laughs> if I can there. turn my lights on with my voice, <laughs> we so should anyway, squish boobs. So anyway, Molly. Um, your so they, tits were out. They were squishing your boobs. <laughs> like... The the technician, she was getting crazy. Like, things were heating <laughs> yeah. up. Okay. So, it, you know, it's kind of a funny process because, like, I went to Emerge. They told me I need to get a mammogram, got the mammogram. 
And then I go to my doctor's office to like get the mammogram results. And he's got this letter that says like, yeah, there's a lump. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, I know there's a lump. Like, we don't have any new information now. Like, why did I deal with Mm -hmm. that? Um, So then they're like, well, now you need a biopsy. So I go back to the breast clinic, have a biopsy. That's basically like you're laying down and you get a mammogram and they stab you with a needle a bunch of times. Mm. Oh, fuck. Um, like plus version. So then I'm having, and it's a doctor that does that procedure. And so at this point, I'm starting to get scared. Like I'm like, okay, this is something. Breast cancer's creeping back it's in. It's creeping back in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I'm... I'm used to doctors who, like, don't want to give you information. Like, they don't want to tell you results until everything's, like, in and, you know. You're used to that? Well, I just, I feel like that's, like, the standard experience. What's your What's your doctor experience before this? Are you somebody who, like, you know, goes to the hospital or goes to the doctor, like, every once in a while, never goes? Yeah, I mean, I've had some other, like, health issues in my life like I had I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease when I was younger and so I've been through the process of like getting blood work and Mm -hmm. like all that stuff and Mm -hmm. I just like in my mind I was like this guy's not gonna (coughs) say he thinks it's cancer so I'm trying to trick him (laughs) like I'm trying to say like okay so you try to pull it am I gonna need to have surgery because if I'm gonna need to have surgery I need to take some time off from work and like I you know, it'd be good if I could plan that. Like, I, I'm You're trying like, to, if like... If I had something, would it rhyme with Francer? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, again... Uh, no, you have we're, cancer. <laughs> we're having this conversation. <coughs> tits out. Yeah. This time I'm bleeding. And oh. I'm just like, I need to take some time off work. Like, you need to tell me some information. But I honestly think... <clears throat> like, And he was just like, yeah, you're going to have surgery. Like, there's no... Oh. There was no hesitation. And I, looking back, and like, if I had have just asked him, do you think this is cancer? I think he would have said 100%. Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. Um, so sure enough, <laughs> a couple of days later, got the call from my family doctor. Um, and so that was like a Friday before the long weekend. And I was freaking out at that point because I was like, if I don't get these results now, he's going to make me come in next week. Like, I'm going to be freaking out all weekend. But he actually gave me the results over the phone, which is super surprising. But mm, I'm very yeah. grateful that he didn't make me sweat it out. And this is yeah. all pretty quick. Yeah, it was like like maybe 10 days like Jeez. from like found the lump to yeah. diagnosis. So now yeah. when, so, you, when you found out, were they like, this is, did they give you like stages or... Like, what was the severity when they told you? Yeah, so my family doctor didn't have a whole lot of insight, which is really frustrating because I'm like, you hear cancer and you're like, okay, like, you've got a million questions. And she's like, I'm not an oncologist. Like, this isn't, I'm not the person to give you Mm. this information. But he said on the phone, like, he said on the phone, you have breast cancer. Yeah, he said, no, he said there were malignant cells in your sample. I, I feel well, like it, with our experience, they never say cancer. I think it yeah. was Matt Amiot that said and that. And so I had, a couple of days later, I, you know, then I had to start kind of like telling people. And so I told one of my good friends, um, I was like, hey, remember that lump that like I told you I was like getting checked out? Like it turns out like there were malignant cells. And she was like, okay, I have a really stupid question. Like, do you have breast cancer? And I was like, I don't know. Like, is that like where I'm at right now? Um, Did anybody along your like entire 
your entire experience doctor wise in the medical field? Do they say breast cancer at any point? Yeah. So after I got my diagnosis, I was referred like immediately to a breast surgeon. Um, and that was like kind of a kick in the stomach. Like Mm. that was the first doctor who was, he knew the process and he kind of told me very bluntly and not very compassionately, like what the next like nine months of my life were going to look like. Mm. Um, So he was like, yeah, you're going to have surgery. And I was like, what about like other, like, am I going to need other treatment? And he looked at me and he said, you're going to have surgery. You're going to have chemo. You're going to have radiation and you're going to have hormone therapy. And I was like, like I, like it was like head in hands. Like I just like Mm -hmm. had such a explosive meltdown. Like, and my big concerns were fertility. Um, Mm. we, like I was 29. I had just got engaged like two weeks earlier um, so we're very much like at that stage of our lives where like, we're looking to get married and start a family. And like, it was a 10 minute conversation. And in the span of that 10 minutes, like everything I had been looking forward to was ripped right out of my hands. Yeah. Like, I, And I get emotional thinking about it now. Mm. Like it was, it was so intense. What What are the fertility options at that point? Like, are they like, before we do this, we're going to freeze your... Yeah, so that's an option. Mm-hmm. Um, he so he said chemo would kind of shut my ovaries down, basically, um, like permanently or like no. So he the way that he worded it, it I I <clears throat> interpreted it as permanently, but later down the road. Um, my actual medical oncologist was like, eh, no, like you'll probably be okay. Like it'll probably come back at some point. Um, but yeah, he was like, if you, he's like freezing your eggs is an option, um, but it would delay treatment. It would mm. cost $20,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, so we, we seriously considered it, but um, you guys had done an episode with a woman who was going through fertility treatment or had gone through fertility mm. treatment here in Halifax. And it, like the timing of it was like right while this was going on. And we both kind of listened to that episode as like an intel into the whole process of what we would be in for if we did go down that path. And so that was great. Um, did, but, uh, I, uh, just curious, <laughs> did you glean anything from that? Or were you like, what are these fucking idiots talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, did you actually from take the episode? Some, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but you didn't take any medical advice, right? No. <laughs> uh, just one second, Not I'm for lawyer you on the specifically, line right now. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> just what the... Just the journey of the what journey that is like. and yeah. the you know it's not a guarantee yeah. Um, yeah. and the financial <coughs> implications yeah. of it all. So it costs like twenty grand. Like yeah, it's, it's not it's no joke. And it was something that we would have had to have decided like in a couple pretty of quickly, yeah. right? And yeah. it would delay treatment, and they pump <clears throat> you full of hormones, which in my case were feeding my cancer. Mm. So it was like it was risky, and we ultimately decided not to um, go down that path. 
Uh, and I think that was probably the right decision mm. for us. Yeah. When when um, when people get diagnosed with cancer, I, I, well, I imagine if I was to be diagnosed with cancer, like the 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 main question I would have right away is like, is this going to kill me? Is the thing that yeah. I wonder yeah. about. Um, and it sounds like the fertility issue was uh, a big um, cause for concern for you. But w- like, how did that balance in in comparison to like wondering if you were going to be okay? Mm. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know that I ever really allowed myself to consider that this might kill me. Like I'm, I'm very much not that kind of person. Like I'm like the opposite of a hypochondriac. I'm like, yeah, it's probably fine. Like everything. Uh, Like I definitely in my mind was downplaying it. I do remember like my surgeon was talking about, like I only had a lumpectomy. I didn't have a mastectomy where they actually remove your breast. Um, they just were able to go in and take out the tumor. Did uh, they get lazy with the word lumpectomy? <laughs> like, yeah. Because like mastectomy, if you said mastectomy yeah. to know what to somebody it, that's who like has a never highly heard of it, scientific sounding you'd go, term. Oh, if you had no clue, you'd go, "What's a what's a what's that lumpectomy?" It's like. Yeah. They took Removing out the lump. lump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just got so lazy. Like with lump, it. not even tumor. Like yeah. it's a lump. Yeah, it's a yeah. tumorectomy. <laughs> they were like, that sounds that sounds too silly. Let's call it lumpectomy. So when my surgeon was explaining, you know, he didn't want to cut more than he needed to. He didn't want to put me through like a bigger surgery. And he was explaining that it wasn't going to impact survival. And I remember being like, why is he saying survival? Like, there's, mm. I'm not going to die. Like, what? Such like, a primitive word to use. Was, I mean, like, not that he shouldn't use it, but I mean, like, it's just, that's such a... What did he mean by it's not going to impact survival? Like, so whether gonna, I had a mastectomy versus a lumpectomy, it wouldn't... It's not going <clears> to <throat> It's not gonna make any difference, like, whether or not you may or may not die? You're right, it won't. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It yes. won't make it any Jesus. greater or any worse. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was... <clears throat> probably the first time that it occurred to me that other people were thinking that maybe this would mm-hmm. be how bad. In, how, how intense was the, uh, I'm kind of fascinated by the, by like the maternal instinct in, yeah. in, in terms of, you know, having that thought process around eggs and yep. you know, trying to go through that whole process and just more so because, you know, everybody's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, some women don't want children. Some women do. Some men don't want children. Some some men do. I find that I, when we talk to people who who become sick, and probably because you're carrying women carry all the reproductive you know organs that are going to like see the see through the birth, that there's just like such a such an instinct yeah. to have that concern. Like it's one, it, mm-hmm. it, several times when we've spoken to people, it's one of those like first concerns. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever heard that be brought up by, by a man, like really quickly. Like that was one of the first thoughts that they had. Like, yeah. what about kids? What, what about yeah. kids? Like, especially we've talked to lots of guys with cancer and like, like re- very rarely an issue. Whereas chemo, I, I'm assuming I'm, I'm making a pretty broad stroke assumption that chemo is going to affect like the production of your sperm mm. uh, yeah. or or a bunch of medications like you take is it sorry is your infertility because of medication or is it because it's of the CF, CF? okay yeah, yeah. but like that's just it's just not something that you hear nearly as much i'm just kind of like well, i don't know i find it really interesting yeah well, we don't i don't think i don't think in general men have 
that like maternal instinct. Like biologically, you think it's yeah, just like it's just far less no, of a thing. I think it's I think it's it's more akin to to women really naturally. I think I I think for us it was the biggest part was just the. <laughs> stage of life that we were at like we were very much and that's like a part of the conversation yeah. like you, you're ju- you're just you're like just right there engaged yeah. like yeah. you're like excited about the future of like you know yeah. we're gonna settle down we're gonna, maybe gonna get home together yeah. we're gonna, you know like all of that stuff yeah. is like you think on you, the surface i think if it had been my fiance who was in the cancer uh seat um, I think he probably would have had similar yeah. concerns. But if you, but I don't know like, if they would have been as intense. Like right, like but it's like say something like something comes around in your early twenties. That's probably not yeah. the thought that. Yeah, if I mind. had been twenty two, I would have been like, oh shit, I'm gonna lose my hair, like right. what, yeah, like right. my boobs, yeah. like what? Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Speaking of losing the hair. Yeah, did, so I did. You did. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. your hair right now, people can't see, is very short. Yeah. It's, uh, it's about, it's about, it's actually. It's longer than mine. It's, it's much longer than mine. It's shorter than mine, I think. Um, but it, it, did it, did you lose it all? Like what was the. Yeah. And that's um, from, the, that's from the chemo, chemo right? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I had my surgery in August. Uh, then I was referred on to a medical oncologist. Um and so I started chemo around like the end of October. Um, and so, yeah, I had my first chemo treatment. And then so your hair doesn't fall out right away. Mm. Um, so I had my first treatment. I was on like a three-week cycle. So I would go like every 21 days um, and get an infusion. Um, and the first few days were definitely the hardest so I had kind of like just picked myself up off the floor and I'm starting to think like, okay, like five more rounds of this, like I can mm-hmm. do this, like I'm, I know what I'm in for, like I can handle this. And then my scalp starts tingling and it like, I knew it was going to happen, yeah. but it, nothing can prepare you for that. Um, and at that point, like from the tingling... That's actually really interesting. I've never heard anyone say yeah, that yeah. they had a physical yeah, sensation. Yeah, it, was it was it pretty quick? Like, were your was your hair just coming out in clumps? Or? Kind of like so. It started like like heavy shedding, mm. um, and then it's like you know you're having a shower and you're just like pulling you're out. pulling yeah. it out. Um, and so then it yeah, it started pretty bad. Yeah, it did, and like I. I was prepared, like I had gone and like purchased a wig. Like th- this was a big thing for me. Um, I was really self conscious about losing my hair, so I had a wig lined up, and it looked like very similar to my hair. Like you, a lot of people probably wouldn't have right. noticed the difference. So as soon as it started <laughs> tingling, like a couple of days later, I went and like had it shaved off. Oh, you wasted no time. You're just like, if get the no, thing and out. like some people can get through like a few <laughs> rounds of treatment before their hair totally falls out. Like I think like you start shedding, 
Um, but then it would kind of stop until you have your next treatment and then it would start right. again. So yeah. some people let it thin out and I don't, Yeah, I mean, it's a personal yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah. To me, it was just like, did your eyebrows start to come out? So my eyebrows didn't come out until toward the very end of chemo. Um, so after the first couple of rounds, like I've got a wig, like I'm, I'm feeling okay. I still kind of look like myself. Um, but by the end, like I was just so haggard looking, like yeah. I lost my eyebrows. I remember one night I was actually like getting ready to like meet some friends for dinner. Um, and I went to put on <laughs> mascara and I was like, oh, I don't have eyelashes anymore. <laughs> like it was because I was like, I did was, you just mascara them off? Like, uh-huh. you know, cause like that, no, like I went to go, I went to go put there. it on and they, and just, they just weren't, weren't there. there. Yeah. Wow. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. How, isn't it crazy how you wouldn't notice yeah. that your eyelashes come out? Well, Cause you can't really but, see them. But you have, you have eyelashes now. And I you always do. heard that like, if you pull your eyelashes out, it's then they very, don't grow back. Oh, I knew a girl no, in high school. Well, hold on. Because I you don't know. You I made heard, that up. No, no I, I didn't know I didn't that make too. that up. I, I went to high school with Jeremy. With Google the, the fuck. Jamie. A girl I went to high school with pulled out uh, her eyelashes and they never grew back. However, I just Googled it. Will your eyelashes grow back if pulled out from the root? Yes. Uh, they they, they have that normal says growth cycle. Brian's wrong. And Brian Stever is Brian wrong, Stever wrong, wrong, wrong. I think I was right. If you, if you just said if you pull them out from the root. Then they don't grow back. No, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They 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 just have a normal growth. Cycle. And I I didn't say that. I was saying that. I said I heard that. <laughs> no, you said you said it. You said <laughs> anyway. that you came up with that. So, um, but, which it, I was surprised when you because you have you have lovely eyelashes. <laughs> Thank now, you. And, uh, and, and that's you literally do. the nicest thing you guys could yeah, say to me. You really, do. And, really nice. when you and when you said when Brian when you said that I was like they could be they they look great but they also look so good that they could be. Could just be, put on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear something kind of fucked up? Yeah, definitely. So the more fucked up, the better on this show. Really. When so obviously, like my eyebrows and my eyelashes have grown back, um, and you know the hair on my head is growing back. Eyebrows and eyelashes are kind of on like cycles. Yeah, so when you lose here. your eyelashes and you, they all start to grow back at the same time. They like followed again. Whoa! So like my eyelashes have like grown back and thinned like I haven't lost them all but they've like grown and fallen out and grown Whoa, and fallen wow, out like a couple times yeah crazy and it's super common so like yeah. you've, you've entered this like sort of like yeah. butterfly cocoon effect of like going through yeah. just mm. they just come and die and then they come yeah and they so die. it can take like I think it takes about a year for them to like put oh. on different growth cycles oh. so it's enough that like you don't notice it when oh, they fall out because they need to be staggered in yeah. their like life cycle yeah exactly oh, that's interesting yeah isn't it crazy how I mean and I know that we all share this attachment even though Jerry you don't have long hair but Brian and I had like really long hair and we've cut it several times and and that. Like how attached you are to your hair, even though it it really serves this like it serves this very social purpose, yeah. but like really no like actual purpose in terms of like being on our head. Like it did at one time, like evolutionarily, but like how attached you are when you go to cut your hair or when you're yeah. gonna lose your hair, yeah. like that. How intense that is. And the last time when you sh- Jer shaved my head like just a few weeks ago, and I've had hair down on my nipples for like basically ten years. And like that feeling right before you're about to make that first cut, 
is like, dude, my heart <laughs> yeah. is going you, through. You were, yeah, yeah, you were like, you oh, had to dude, yourself up. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but it's just wild how we have that reaction to our hair. But yeah. the the reason I think the reason why is because it it kind of becomes part of like your your personal style and mm-hmm. like yeah. it's something that you wear like you you wear clothes. But like when you when you change it so drastically, yeah. it really changes like the way that you look and present yourself yeah. towards other people. And like, I think that, I think that there is like this message that it almost sends. Like when I was, uh, when I was getting to the end of my time, I lived in Dubai for, for four years. And, um, when I first started working there, I had like, uh, like a very clean cut. And then like the last kind of year leading up to the time that I was leaving, I, I started to let my hair grow. You really did. And, uh, and like probably like, three or four months after not cutting my, my hair, like some people in my office started to make comments like, you know, like you should probably, <laughs> you should probably cut your hair. You should probably clean it up yeah. a little bit. But it was almost like my, my, I had done like a yoga teacher training like the year before and stuff and was just kind of like, he was in this mindset of like, yeah, I was like, I was almost like, this is my like kind of subtle fuck you to the corporate world. You know, like I'm, yeah, I'm going to oh, do my thing. Was. This is me. And like, and and I had long hair like before I had started that job, so I was like almost going back to like the way that I I I lived my life before. Yeah, I, I got into that, so like I I can understand why there's like such an attachment yeah. to something that really does serve no purpose. How do you how do you feel about your hair now, having gone through the process of letting it go? Because I know that once I, as soon as it was done shaving my head for like a few weeks ago, I went oh. I'm fine now. Like, did you have like? Yeah. Was it was it all build up and then like no, no substance afterwards? No, or did it, it was kind you? of the opposite. I think I when I was in treatment, it was kind of like a practicality. Like it was like, okay, I'm sick right now. I lose my hair. Like that's just the cost of getting better. Mm-hmm. Afterward, I struggled with it a lot more. Um, I finished chemo at the beginning of February. My hair didn't actually really start to grow back until May. Whoa, oh, wow. that's yeah. a long time. Um, and so, like, I had radiation at that point. Like, my body was still, like, being pretty beat up. Mm. Um, but it, did, it took a while for it to start growing back. Um, and it just, like, it's it's part of your, like you said, it's, like, part of your personal identity. Yeah. Um, hair, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's a very, um, it's a core, identity. it's a very like transformative thing. I, I you know? struggled with it so much though, because it's like, it's, it's wearing your illness on your yeah. fucking head. It makes, it, <laughs> like, it, 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 you're no longer, you're yeah. no longer, ha- you, you can no longer say you're having like, you know, you have that invisible illness. Like, it yeah. is, and also it is. It is a fucking tattoo on your forehead exactly. of like cancer. Yeah. You know, like it is very obvious yeah. when someone has and cancer. And people will ask <clears throat> you about it. So at this point, like when my hair starts to grow back, like wearing a wig is kind of uncomfortable. It's summertime now. Ooh. It's getting hot. Like it's just, it's not going to work. So I ditch the wig and just start rocking short hair. When it, So I've, I've worked with a lot of cancer patients through this organization that I used to work for where they ran camps. Uh, actually, I'm going to, we'll talk after. Okay. I think you should probably hit them up. Okay. Um, it's for young adults and it's like a surf camp in Maui. <clears throat> and they all come and we all hang out and we all just talk about, you know, what their cancer experience is like. And mm-hmm. a lot of them all, you know, have, it, it, it always ends up with this like sort of, uh, 
jovial, jokey, laughy sort of comparison conversation about like, what was it like when your hair came back? What was it like when your hair came yeah. back? And and a lot of, I, I didn't know this until I started working with the camp, but a lot of people, their hair comes back different, completely different than what their, yeah. their hair used to be. Chemo curls are a thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And did you have it in like weird places? Because I've heard of like people that where they go, the sides of my head came out curly. The top came out straight. Oh, crazy. Or like the no. back came out curly. Like yeah. they, just, they just start growing this mullet. Like, yeah. like back. Um, That's crazy. I'm in like mullet territory right yeah. now. It's really stressful. You have, yeah, your, your hair's <laughs> shorter, but it's kind of like it's, it's wavy. It's wavy. It's got it was, yeah, wave. it's got some waves. My, my hair before was like pin straight. Um, oh, really? I've heard of it coming back in like different colors too, yeah, but I yeah. think this is pretty close to my n- natural color. So, cool. yeah. You, you mentioned a couple times um, about your experience with other <clears throat> other people and other people's yeah. perceptions. I think earlier on um, when we were talking about the, the when the doctor brought up the word survival, yeah, um, it was almost like you were alluding to the fact that that other people were maybe wondering about the, I guess, whether or not you would die. Was is that true? Is was there was was it hard to manage the experience of of your loved ones? Yes, um, I would say like, this was a pretty crazy experience, and there were a lot of lows. But the hardest part was telling my parents that their only child had cancer, um, and I was so conscious of like downplaying the severity for their benefit. Um, but I spent a lot of time with them when I was actually going through chemotherapy and it was watching them watch me go through it was by far the hardest. It's super interesting to hear you say that because I've never, I've never, even though we've gone over conversations like this quite a bit, I've never, it's almost like you, get the news and yeah. then you in turn have to almost be that role of like the doctor who's like telling the patient yeah. like you're like your parents are obviously you're you're pretty close with your parents yeah and and um then all of a sudden you have to go and break that news to them yeah. was is there is there like this feeling of compassion for the healthcare providers who have to go and break that news to patients like delivering that yourself um I mean, I've never really thought about that before, but yeah, I I do. I have a lot of appreciation, I guess, for people who can deliver that news like sensitively mm-hmm. and compassionately. Mm-hmm. It always it's it's a it's a constant sort of like um, reemergence of this <clears throat> of this idea on the show is how how when you when you get sick, it's. It it becomes a burden of the person who's sick to like really manage the yeah. the 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 emotions. How uh, much and effort state is of mind to take care of yeah. for everyone family, else and your friends for you? Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. you gotta you have to you have to speak to those people and and like you said, you're downplaying the mm-hmm. the severity for their sake so that they don't freak out and you know, and, um, it's just such a it's it's one it's a fascinating it's a fascinating facet of of being sick uh, is yeah. is managing the people in your life and yeah. how you almost ha- you need care and you're being taken care of by people in the in the medical field and 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 but you also sort of become a, a sort of caregiver in a way with your friends and family yeah. and that's something that you have to manage which I don't know like I, 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 and I struggle with whether that's something that sh- should take place and whether that 
whether that creates growth and like and is is overall, even though it's probably heavy and hard, is a, is a positive thing for the people who are sick, or, I, I think or whether it, or whether it's too much. I don't know. I, I think it's really probably dependent on the person and the and the people involved. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's it, it's like anything and anyone. Like, there's some people that um, really rise to the occasion, and then there's some people that just crumble under that pressure. Yeah. Or, and and yeah. and not just the sick person. I'm talking about like the other people. every yep. anyone could be the person who's sick. <clears throat> I mean. I remember one time recently that I was <clears throat> hospitalized and in 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 pretty rough shape for like a good two or three weeks, and I was just I was a fucking piece of shit to be around. So much so that I I specifically didn't want people coming to visit me yeah. in the hospital because I knew, man, when they come in, they're not going to get. I'm not going to be capable of like allowing them to see that I'm okay. Yeah. Because I'm not okay. And I don't want to have to fucking try to like manage that. And and you know. But then but then there's been times where it's like, oh no, this is I'm I'm like I'm I'm the rock. I'm here. I'm gonna yeah. like make sure everyone feels yeah. good and like And it's you go through um, like how you feel about playing that role changes like with the weather basically yeah, yeah, exactly. like day by moment day. By moment. Yeah. Yeah. The conversation's yeah. really multifaceted, though, around like around the illness itself. Like, I know in, with my experience with my mom um, having bladder cancer, it was like her her ability to talk to me about the treatment process and like the medical mm. side of things was was great. Like, she was able to go through everything in detail, and like there was, a, I think, there was a lot of stuff that there wasn't very much that she left out of that side of the mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. But when when it came to the emotional side, yeah, like that was much more challenging for her, her to like open up and say, "I'm not doing well." Like I need, Ooh. yeah, I need help. And uh, and then there's so there's her emotional side, and then there's the emotional side of the people around her too. So yeah. there's lots of ways to talk about it, I think. And and sometimes people feel comfortable more with one than the other, Ooh. and and that's okay. But <clears throat> I think if there's better communication around the entire like idea of 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 all of these different things, then it's it makes it easier to to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the so? <clears throat> let's fast forward a little bit. You're you 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 got the cancer in 2017. Yep. <clears throat> it's now just freshly 2019. Yep. How are you now? Where I'm, are you at in that journey in that process? I'm. I'm doing well. Um, so it's funny. I actually just had my very last infusion right before Christmas. So it was very fitting that uh, you called me when you did. Um, so that was kind of, uh, that was the end of active treatment for me. High five. Thank you. Right on. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, <laughs> I had my last infusion on a Friday. And then did you ding that bell? I did ding the bell yeah. and then drank so much that <laughs> night. Like, it was quite the party. Yeah. Um, just keep that detox. Yeah. Just keep that retox going. Yeah, you know, just, and it was, uh, like, it was my last day of work, like, before the holidays. Like, it was a really nice way to start um, the holiday season. And it feels great to start 2019 kind of with that behind yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so that part's done. Um the struggle for me now is like mentally, yeah, um, and trying to adjust to like a new normal. Um, and you know, I've been back to work for a while now, but it's it's an ongoing struggle, and I I don't know 
I think this is going to be a challenge for me for a long time. Are you seeking support? Like, uh, or have you put in research into like sort of support networks that exist for young cancer survivors? Yeah. um, So I'm part of some like online communities. um, They're, I mean, just being it being such like a rare circumstance. There's not a ton of people like locally who have gone through my experience, but there's a lot of really good communities um, online. Um, and all, like I've done some therapy mm-hmm. and, and counseling and stuff like that. So, and I have like a ton of support in mm-hmm. my life. I have really good people around me. So are you in like, is, are, are you in sort of like a monitoring stage now where they're going, well, we're like every, whatever it is to like month, is it like every month and then every three months and then every six months? And like Not quite. Something? So I think that's actually a little bit, um, of an outdated model, at least for breast cancer. So I will have, like, I'll get a mammogram every year forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm supposed to get breast exams done by my family doctor, like, quarterly, and then do a self-exam once a month. But uh, in terms of, like, doing, like, six-month scans, like, that kind of thing, where they look at your whole body, that's, I, I think... The jury is still kind of out on whether that's super effective or not. Like mm. my doctor feels like that just tends to cause more anxiety for people than it does actually right. like help their long term outcomes. So you're in the state. So you're so where you are now is okay. We re- we've removed the cancer. We've co- we've yeah. gone through treatment, and now it's and now and now like you know a- as all sits, you know quote unquote, you're okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And, and then you, and then you just, you, you have these checkups, you have these regular check-ins to make sure that nothing's nothing's there, that you're, you're where you need to be or where you want to be. Um, so that's, that's your place. Guys, can we say that like as, as human beings, can we say that we've cured cancer? Uh, no, No. not at all. Not Not even remotely. In some instances though. No. But my mom doesn't have cancer. Your mom doesn't have cancer right now. Yeah, but cure. I mean, so cure being cure being a word that means that a do, that somebody can go. We've removed the chances for you to get cancer again. Like we've right. taken care of it, and we it won't come and, back. Yeah, and but but which that's not. But the case. nobody. Your but, mom. Your but mom. Everybody on the planet has the chance of getting cancer. In fact, it's getting higher everyone, and higher. More everyone likely. on the planet, if they live right. long enough, will get cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So curing and, cancer, I think, would mean that you cannot get it. We, yeah, curing cancer would be ridding the world of cancer. It's like I'm going to take a I'm going to take a vaccine for whatever, and I'm not going to get it. Yeah, they get they they got rid of your mom's <laughs> cancer, but it's like a cure. It, it, it not really. Not really. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. But I mean, we there's treatments, right? Mm-hmm. So like. There's that we we can treat cancer, but we cannot cure it. Kind of, kind of the same way that um, you know, there's that whatever. Uh, what's the drug again for CF that cures the <clears throat> or that can be not, yeah, or colitis? Like it stops hurt. it. Like yeah. it basically it doesn't take it away. It doesn't remove it from your body. It just like it just treats it so it, it doesn't fuck slow, with you. Anymore. Yeah, slows I, it down. And I, I don't want to. I don't mean to be like insensitive in saying that or anything because I know that there's and there's a lot of people who die from cancer mm-hmm. at like every single day. You know, and and I don't mean to be insensitive whatsoever. No, it's but a good like, question. It's but like, like the thing is, is that we, can, we treat it. it right. Does and, that count as a? Does that count like? A di- is your is your mom cured? 
Right. Yeah. Right. Like, I would say yes, but like, there is a chance that of you that know, can, of that like, round of that one round. Yeah. yeah. Right. So but was, like, every yeah. doctor would be very concerned about like the language that you use, yeah. and they would go, "Cure? No, definitely no, not." Right. Yeah. I, I guess I understand in the sense that, and not to beat a dead horse, but like I understand in the sense that like cure would be eradicating mm-hmm. like human beings of yeah. that. It's just not the word. We treat it yeah. well, but then also depending on like time and like when did you find it and how far along and gro- growth rate of tumors and like all these fucking factors that go into how you're able to treat and how effectively yeah. you can treat it, it, depending on the cancer. Molly, the is problem. there, like, when you think of y- your life and the trajectory of, the, of your life, like, being personally being somebody who who doesn't or hasn't lived with a serious illness, yeah. like, I kind of think, oh, you know, if everything goes according to plan, I'll die of old age when I'm, you know, 80 or 90 years old. Is that, like, is that the storyline that you tell yourself or is is that kind of... St- stain for lack of a better term now? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I'm still kind of at a point where I refuse, like I, I cannot open the floodgates of like thinking about having a recurrence. Um, cause the reality <coughs> is, uh, with breast cancer recurrence, like my cancer was stage two B, um, and, you know, stage four obviously being like it's spread to your other organs. Um, but when people have recurrence of this disease, it's often stage four. Like it's not a local recurrence. It's a metastatic okay. recur- a recurrence. Um, so that would put me in a very different position. And I just like I can't go there. Right, yeah, right. So I am choosing to live my life as though I have like a clean bill of health and mm. can, can move and forward. And you shouldn't go there. Like, yeah. Because yeah. there's no need. We it talking- doesn't help. Like no. the, the way that I look at it is like it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen, but stressing about it happening isn't going to make it not, not happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. We, were, we were having this, Brian and I, and you've seen it, I don't know if, you said you haven't watched, started watching Black Mirror, but yeah. they just released this, they just released this, this film called Bandersnatch. It's a Black Mirror movie. And the basic premise of the movie is that it's a choose your own adventure. So, you, there's many, many times in the movie where you're given a choice to go this way or that way, and every decision you make affects the story in a yeah. certain way, and you can get looped back mm-hmm. to make a different decision. Anyway, it just it play with this, with, plays with this idea of free will and like how we both worry about the past and worry about the future, and how. In, and I turned to Brian and I said, "Isn't it crazy how how many people, how many people?" can obsess over d- decisions made in the past that then go on and affect their future Ooh. and how yeah. that goes on. And I've, I've never been that person. Like yeah. I've always been like, if a decision's made, it's made and I go forward and I never think about it again. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't see the importance of, or the value of, of, of obsessing or thinking about changing a decision in the past. And you don't need to go there. Yeah. Because like you're not there. It doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't purpose. serve any purpose. It's yeah. like the worry flow chart, guys. Yeah, exactly. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but yes, yes, Google it if you haven't seen it before. <clears throat> um I I feel like now would be a good a good time to ask a question that we ask most of our guests, which is um out of this entire experience, what would you say is the biggest thing that it has taken away from you? Uh I mean a lot of things, but to summarize, I guess I would just say like peace like it's there's a certain amount of like blissful ignorance that I think most healthy people (laughs) walk around with like Mm. they have like a 
certain level of, I get like just certainty about how their life is going to unfold and whether that's realistic or not is a different conversation, but just like knowing that you're going to start a family or, you know, live to be a hundred or whatever. Um, and it's taken away that piece from my family as well. And I, that really weighs on me. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest thing it's given you? <clears throat> Perspective. Um, this experience is definitely, it's, it's given me a lot of perspective on what is important to me and what's important in life and, you know, my own priorities. Um, and I'm really grateful to have gained that perspective at the age that I am now when I still have so long to apply it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people come to that point, but the opportunities are kind of behind them at that point. Yeah. So per, that's, that's interesting. Perspective is that's a good one. Yeah, <clears throat> but don't you don't you think like I mean wavy hair? It's kind of big. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you got wavy hair. Maybe now. in a couple inches, <laughs> yeah, I'll be a right. little more stoked with the wavy hair. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Molly, um, I want to say thank you for for coming in, and especially like especially when things are are relatively pretty fresh. Yeah, very fresh. You know, like yeah. I I I really admire your ability to to come in here and like and put yourself put yourself out there in that way of 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 talking about something that you just went through. Yeah. Um and I know that 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 can be really challenging and and a bit scary. Um also uh, hopefully if there's a lot of people who um who in your life um, don't know what you've been through, you can just now direct them to the podcast yeah, rather than yeah. parts, yeah. rather than having to tell them the entire but I, story. Absolutely. But I think, I think really importantly is that there's there's probably some people who are in the exact same shoes as you right now, yeah, and are 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 feeling pretty damn grateful that you took this opportunity to come in here. So thank you very much for that. Thank you guys Absolutely. so much. This yeah. is great. And, uh, and also just the last thing, uh, this like hits pretty, um, close to home with, with, uh, my mom and, and her experience, uh, and our family's experience. But like the, the after effects is a really it's tough real. part yeah. to go through. So, um, yeah, just make sure that you keep talking about it and, and, I've got, a, I've got a link up here on my, on my laptop that I'm going to share with you. That yeah. I think I'm I'm actually really happy that you mentioned <clears throat> that because I think people think that it's over for me now and it's behind me. And you know, anyone who's gone through it themselves or has someone close to them who's Ooh. gone through it knows that that's very much not the Oftentimes case. Oftentimes, the biggest struggle is once yeah. you're through it. This is this is absolutely harder yeah. than the actual yeah. like treatment itself. Yeah. But that could be a whole other episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you again. Molly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you all so much for come uh, for coming in. Thanks for coming into our little zone here and uh, listening. Uh, you didn't come in anywhere. You just turned your app on and. And we thank you for that. And uh, so while you're there, you might as well, hopefully if you're on a laptop, but I think you can do it from your phone, um, just hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave a rating and a review because that would just mean the world to us. Uh, it just helps us stay up on the iTunes charts. You know, more people hear these stories, hear these conversations the longer we're up there. And uh, we've been doing it three years strong right now, so it feels pretty good. And there's other ways you can support us as well if you think what we're doing is important. You can go to patreon.com slash sickboy mm-hmm. and support us there. We have um, we, we put that money to very good use. We might be coming to your city 
for a show. Especially 2019. We Especially got a lot of fucking places we're going. I we're think. thinking about hitting a lot of new spots. So mm-hmm. um, stay tuned for that. And it's patreon.com. Yeah. Mongolia, we're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And if you're wondering why it sounds like we're uh, on a safari, it's because there's just so many mammograms in this episode. Lots of I believe Donovan's dropped in safari sounds. I think we, I, I think it's, I, you know what, Donovan? Stop. Put me in Mongolia. Ooh. What does Mongolia sound like? Oh, it sounds like Wrath of the Khan. A lot of years. What does that sound like? Oh, it sounds like it sounds like old war. It sounds like leather Genghis, war flaps. On Genghis, here. look out! There's Genghis Khan. Oh wait, he's about to speak. I, I've never heard him speak before. Let's 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 hear it. Donovan hates doing this. Wow. Are we all descendants wow. of Genghis Khan? My dad, my dad's 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 dad. I don't know if we'd even go back that far. I did my 23 and me. It got really interesting results. So anyway, how Mongolian are you? None. None. You don't have any Genghis in you? No. Fuck off. And I don't. So anyway. Thanks so much, Donovan. Uh, you're amazing. Thank you to Take Part, who did the theme music, but they're also now a new band called uh, Florida Man. Thanks a lot, Take Part, for confusing us. And, Florida uh, Man. And they've got a band camp. And they it's do. FloridaManBand.BandCamp.com. <laughs> oh, man, that's a lot of man. Florida Man Band. <laughs> I'm I'm like 98 percent sure. I'm gonna have to reach yeah, out. Let's look. At, let's look into Florida that. Bandcamp.com. <laughs> they actually played us into our live show here in Halifax a couple of nights ago, and it was fucking radical. So thank you, Florida Man, uh, the band at Bandcamp.com. Uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Molly. And this is Sick Man. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.